Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. We're going to be in several scriptures today. We're glad you're here to join us as we continue our series on a clearer vision of the scriptures. The scriptures are so valuable to us, but we want to make sure we're progressing in the right way. You know, uh, there are different ways that a person answers the door when somebody comes knocking. And now, growing in popularity are the camera doorbells. Somebody rings, and you can pick up your smartphone and see who's there and decide if they're worth getting up to answer the door for. Or there's those people who may peek out the curtain to see if it's safe and it's a person you want to meet. Or they might just crack the door a little bit and just get a, a little glimpse and be a little bit polite, but not, not terribly polite. Or there's the person who will open the door wider, so there's a, there's a kind of a head width there to uh, see the, and show that you're a little bit interested. Then there's a the person who opens the door wide, but stands right there in a guarded way, and you can be sure you are not going to be welcomed over the threshold. Then there's the person who opens the door wide and says, hey, come on and sit down. And you love it that somebody came and you're going to entertain them and you're going to hear what they have to say. All kinds of ways to open the door when somebody knocks. I find that that parallels so often how people approach the Word of God. There are some people who would just keep it at a distance. Uh, it comes knocking, but they really don't have any interest. They're going to stay put right where they are. Then there's the person who might peek a little bit, but is really guarded and really has no interest in opening themselves to it. Those who might crack it just a little bit. Those who might even open it completely, but they're pretty guarded. Uh, they don't want it to cross the threshold too much into the rooms of their houses. And there are those people that we want to be like who open our doors wide to the scriptures. We welcome the scriptures in. We want them to speak into our lives. We want them to do their good work in us. And we want to know God better. That's why he has revealed himself in the pages of the scripture. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says, Here I am. These are the words of Jesus. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And many of you are familiar with that classic painting rendition of Jesus knocking at the door of your heart. And Jesus is always, always knocking, but never more clearly and never more vividly and personally as in the pages of God's scripture, the Holy Bible. And that's why we're spending our month in this. And today I want to challenge us as we think about our own lives and our relationship to the word of God, what kind of welcome are we extending to the Word of God? To what degree do we want the door to be wide open to whatever God has to say for us? So first of all, let me say this. Open the door. Let God's Word shape your life. Now, when Paul writes to, uh, to Timothy in his second letter, he, he reminds him of the, of the beauty of the Word of God. Here is what he says in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, 
and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's open the door to the word of God shaping our lives. First, because they are God-breathed. Now, Luke has already impressed that upon us in these first couple of messages. But I just want to remind you that these words come from the heart of God. That the word of God doesn't contain the word of God. It is the word of God through and through. These contents here are not progressively inspired. And what I mean by that is, is, is not that... It's not that the New Testament is more inspired than the Old Testament. It is all God's word from cover to cover, Genesis 1 to Revelation 21. It's, it's all his. These contents are not varied in their worth either. I say that because there are some people who say, well, Paul commanded that, but Jesus never said anything about that. What they're saying is, I believe that the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are, are more inspired than what Paul writes, and that is not true all scripture is God breathed. God breathed these words into existence. We let these this word shape our lives also because they instruct us for life's journey. Back in 1879, Lieutenant George DeLong uh, and his crew of 28 uh, boarded the USS Janine. They were setting sail to the North Pole to claim the North Pole for the United States. Now, there had been previous excursions to that area, but they all met a great fate because they couldn't get through the ice. But there were cartographers and geographers that assured uh, DeLong that, indeed, there is an opening in the ice and you can make it through. DeLong sailed there, but he was met the same fate. And most of his crew and he himself died because the cartographers were wrong. The geographers were wrong. Brothers and sisters, we're living in an age where there are all kinds of people will claim they have the map for life. And we are duped when we buy into their strategies for life's journey. This scripture is given to us that we may journey well through this life and reach a destination worth preparing for. This is what James K.A. Smith has to say. Our culture often sells us faulty, fantastical maps of the good life that paint alluring pictures that draw us toward them. All too often, we stake the expedition of our lives on them, setting sail toward them with every sheet hoisted. And we do so without thinking about it because these maps work on our imagination, not our intellect. It's not until we're shipwrecked that we realize we trusted faulty maps. Brothers and sisters, if you are not in the word of God, you will follow a faulty map for your life. And I fear shipwreck is coming. If not in this life, when you take your last breath, it will be noted. This word is useful. It's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness, Paul says. I like what, how Wearsby puts it, that it, it tells you what's right, that's teaching. It tells you what's wrong. That's rebuking. It tells you how to get right. That's correcting. And it tells you how to stay right. That's training in righteousness. So let's use it in such a way. That's what one of the reasons God gave it to us. This, this shapes our lives because it also instructs for salvation. You know, Timothy was raised well in the Lord. He had this godly mother and grandmother, Lois and Eunice, and they were good to him. And from infancy, 
Paul reminds Timothy he was trained in the scripture. Now, I can't overstate today the influence you mothers and fathers have in the lives of your children. You have far greater influence than any of us on the staff, any of our children's workers, students, D-group leaders, volunteers have in the lives of your young people and children. We're here to undergird what you do in their lives. They need from you this modeling of a hunger for the Word of God and obedience in the Word of God. And dads, every study shows that a child will be much more likely to get to Jesus and lead a life of wholeness in Him by your following Jesus. Your influence is stronger than even a mother's influence. Um, you, you might want to argue with that, but every study shows that. So dads, love the Word of God and lead your family well in it and, and, and model this hunger and thirst for the things of God. That's, that's what we're called to. Remember, remember Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 1, 16, the gospel of Christ is the power of God for salvation, but it has to be truly believed. It has to be fleshed out as well. The, these, this word of God shapes us also because they are instructive also for sanctification. Uh, the text tells us that, that by this training for righteousness, through that, that, that we are equipped. We are equipped. And that means that we are furnished, as some translations have it. We are furnished. We have everything we need for the righteous life and to do what God has called us to do. There's a sanctifying process we go through. And you remember when Paul wrote to the Corinthian believers, perhaps, that he was frustrated because they wanted the milk of the word, but they never got to the meat of the word. And because of that, they were still operating by the flesh so much. You know, that has to stop. Sometime in our lives, we have to go on to the weightier matters of the faith. And that's what Equip You is about. It takes us beyond the milk and gets us to the meat. Uh, and I trust you're in some kind of relationship with the Scripture and other people that takes you deeper into the things of the Word of God. Home group leaders, make sure you're getting to the pages of Scripture. A children's workers and D group leaders, make sure that, that, that the Word of God is a central part as we're, as we're learning the, the heart of God and, and that people are learning to embrace the Word and, and relate to the Word of God and, and let it filter in their hearts. Uh, all this God has given us that so that we will be well furnished. You know, when the writer of Hebrews writes, he says the same thing that Paul says to the Corinthians. He says, look, I have to keep going over the elementary principles. I can't give you maturer things because you're not ready to handle it, yet you all ought to be teachers by now. And I keep having to go over the basics. Is that somebody that describes you? You have to keep going over the basics after years and years in the Lord. There is so much more for us. And so I hope you'll invest in the Word of God. These scriptures will shape us also because they're instructive for service. That we're to be well-equipped for every good work. The, the better we are equipped by God's Word and His truth, the more we are unleashed to serve Him better in ways that we never even knew we could be used. Because we, we first have to be grounded well. Now, Every, every service we render doesn't require that we're grounded well. It's just that we love Jesus. But to do, to become our best and to do the fullest work for which we're designed requires that we know God deeply 
And we know him deeply by the scriptures. We get to know how to live by these scriptures. I love what one man wrote. He wrote, the Bible is supernatural in origin. It's eternal in duration. It's inexpressible in value. It's immeasurable in influence. It's infinite in scope, divine in authorship, human in penmanship, regenerative in power, infallible in authority, universal in interest, personal in application, and in inspired in totality. That's the word of God that shapes our lives. Let it do its good work. Second, open the door. Let the word of God empower your life. Now, the the word of God can only empower our lives to the degree that we let it shape our lives. If it's not shaping how we behave, how we think, if it's not affecting the condition of our hearts by what we're learning about God, since the Holy Spirit is the one that that, that guided these writers of the scripture, then, then we're not going to be empowered for life. There was a time in the United States when there was a basic healthy respect for the Bible. But today, things aren't like that. God's truth isn't seen as truth. It's viewed more as a countercultural book than a book to be revered. So we have a choice of what we're going to do with the word. Here's what the Hebrew writer writes in chapter 4. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, that, those few words suggest to me four metaphors for the Word of God by which we can live our lives accordingly. First of all, it is a living organism. That's what the Word of God... It, This word inspired, scriptures inspired, we've learned, means God breathed. God breathed them into existence. The breath of God we're exposed to when we open the scriptures, that means the breath breath represents something living, something moving, something that speaks into life. That's what the scriptures do today. It has meaning for all cultures, all times, all, all lives, all ages, the script, because the scripture breathes, it, it, it has something for us today. As such, it addresses all the ills of our culture. It addresses the, the complications of your life and my life. It delves deeply into us. It gives us wisdom for life and all kinds of life situations. And sadly, there are just too many people, even believing people in the church, I'm talking about the church universal today, that want to debate God. That, 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 are, that simply choose not to live by these words. Now, they'll revere the Bible as sort of this museum kind of book. For instance, you know, back here in, in Malachi, it says that people were robbing God. Well, how were they robbing God? Well, it says because they weren't tithing. And so we learn there the importance of, of giving. But you read that and you say, man, I've got too many obligations. I've got kids to raise. God, I'm just going to rip that out. Well, I, don't, I, I just don't agree with God there. And then, you know, we just look to the, let's look over at the Sermon on the Mount, for instance. We look at the Sermon on the Mount. You've got things here like murder. Don't murder. Well, I'm not going to murder anybody. But then he says, hmm, he says here that I should, that I should, I got to be careful about any anger I have towards somebody. Oh, I'm going to tear that part out. I don't like that part. Here it says something about uh, don't commit adultery. I would never commit adultery, but you're not supposed to lust. Are you kidding me? In this sexually saturated society, I'm not even allowed to, to, to think an impure thought. 
Nah, I don't like that one either. Uh, this one over here in the sermon now says, I'm to, to pray for my, my enemies. What a ludicrous thing. Do you know what she did to me? Do you know, you know I put up with how my life has been affected because of what she said about me? I, and, and I'm supposed to love her? I'm supposed to forgive my enemies and pray for those who curse me? Forget that. And over here, it says, it says that I'm, I'm supposed to somehow watch my tongue, control my tongue. I know, but my, my dad was just an angry person. He spout off. I learned it well. It's just how I am. I don't think I, that makes sense for my life. We go on and on. Now, some of you may be upset that I just tore, picture, tore pages out of the Bible. What should be more upsetting is any time we read the Scripture and we don't take God's Word seriously. It's the same thing as tearing a page out of Scripture saying, God, I don't want to obey that. Brothers and sisters, this is God's Word. This is how we become trained in righteousness. This is how we're corrected. This is how we're rebuked. This is how we know what truth is. And so let's, let's open our hearts and lives to the full counsel of God. Because in him and in his truth, we find life. Jesus resurrects us to new life, but then he gives us, he gives us truth by which to live. So, it's a living organism, speaks to our lives. The word is also a weapon. It says it's sharper than a double-edged sword. I think of uh, King Arthur in the round table and the Excalibur, that powerful sword. He pulls out of the rock and he throws into to the lake. And uh, he knows that one day when it's needed again, it will be there for him to take hold of when the enemy encroaches again. And as powerful as that fable is, this is no fable. When we treat the word of God as a weapon for our lives, the apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 6, those familiar words, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we cannot, we can't use it as a weapon against the evil one if we don't know it, if we're not in it, if we're not reading it, if we're not, if we're not taking it in, deliberating about feeding on it, meditating on it, uh, salivating on it, hungering for it. The word is also a scalpel. It says here, it penetrates even to dividing soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. Now, that's an interesting comment, isn't it? You know, we, we, we have this, this great God who has made us in his image. And, and he is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he created us body, soul, and spirit. And I've gotten that question through the years. Well, what's the difference between the soul and the spirit? And there are some uh, teachers of the word that don't believe Paul really meant any distinction between the soul and the spirit. And I deliberate on that a lot. And my conclusion is the body is that part of us that relates to the world beneath us, under our feet. The soul is the part that relates to the world around us. And the spirit is the part that relates to the world above us. So, when it comes to the, our bodies, well, plants are living things, and, and, and our animals, our pets, are, are living things, and, and so they have a body. And then our, the soul um, we have, and plants don't have a soul, but, you know, our pets, we know they have personalities, and we relate to them. We relate to animals, so they'll have a soul. But man is unique. We have a spirit. And because we're creating the image of God, we stand above all other created living things in the universe. 
that we can relate to God, we can have a relationship with God that nothing else in all creation can have. And this word of God is a scalpel. He says it, it divides, it divides, it can differentiate. Now, I can't differentiate really. When I talk about the soul and the spirit, I don't know. It's all a blur to me a little bit. But the spirit can do that by the word. It differentiates. Do I, I don't even understand. Some of you medical people understand that the bone and the marrow, the bone is the hard part, you know, the calcified part. The, the marrow is the soft, pliable part out of which we get healthy blood, uh, uh, red blood cells and white blood cells, white blood cells fighting infection and, and red blood cells carrying our oxygen to the parts of the body. I can know elementary things like that. The word of God has a scalpel is able to get through that hard part of me and gets to the soft, pliable part that changes me. And so maybe I'm facing surgery and I read Psalm 53, when I'm afraid, I trust in you. And that scripture, I deliberate upon you what happens. I welcome that scripture into my life and it gets past the hard part and it gets to the soft part. It gets to my real spirit and it speaks to the inner part. You know, I'm able to rest in him. That's the power of the word. That's how usable it is for us. It, it's able to, to work beyond the hard humanness of who we are to get to that soft, pliable spirit part where God speaks into the deepest part of who we are and changes us. The word is also a mirror. It's a mirror. Uh, it, it judges, it says. It makes a judgment on us. That's what Hebrews 4 says. Like a mirror does. You know, what, what, what's a mirror? Well, a mirror, it, it, it makes statements about us, doesn't it? That's what mirrors do. Um, uh, and, and there are a couple of questions that I want to ask you. First of all, are you reading your Bible? And number two, are you letting the Bible read you? It's a two-way street. It's one thing to make sure you're reading your Bible. It's another thing that you really let it examine your life, to judge your life, and to tell us what it notes. So James 1 says this, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now we men need one mirror. You ladies need six, as Tony Evans suggests. He says, uh, first, the first mirror you need is the one you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and you see what damage has been done in the night. And number two is the one you look at after you've showered, and you look in your makeup mirror. And after that, you look in the magnifying mirror. That's mirror number three. Number four is that full-length mirror, and you look at all angles to make sure you're ready. And then you go get in the car, and you look in the lighted mirror or the rearview mirror to double-check just to be sure. And before you get to wherever you're going, sometime you, pull, you open your purse and pull out the compact mirror and double-check to make sure you're presented. Six Mirror, mirrors are required by you, he suggests. But really, we all need one primary one for our souls, don't we? For our spirits. We need, we need the word of God. That's what it is. In Snow White, the witch would say, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? And the mirror had all it could do, lying after lie after lie. So finally, it had to tell the truth. There is someone fairer than you. And instead of the witch using that as an opportunity to change, she grew vengeful and hateful and bitter and did her evil work. 
You see, this word of God, this mirror of God, shows me how diseased I am. It reminds me that my heart has a bent toward wickedness and toward self-centeredness and wrong and sin and ignorance, self-reliance, self-dependence. That's what the word of God shows me. But it also shows me there is the perfect one who came because of that deceitful heart and that wicked leaning, who died in my place and took the punishment for my sin, that I could one day stand before this holy God that we worship today. So James also writes, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That word, that word deceive, it means to cheat. Don't cheat yourself. You think by somehow just knowing a little bit of the word of God, you can have the best of both worlds. Oh, no. You cheat yourself. We all do. When we do not welcome, welcome the word of God into our lives. When we just crack the door, when we just take a peek, we just have a little bit, or we depend on the Sunday morning sermon to be enough for the week. Brothers and sisters, that is not sufficient. You are starving your inner person. This word needs welcomed into our lives to shape us, and to empower us. You see, the danger is the word of God can warm your heart without ever moving your soul. This word of God can inform your mind without ever transforming your life. This word of God can educate the sinner without ever eradicating sin. This word of God has the potential to make a person theologically smart and biblically accurate and apologetically keen and leave that same person immature, unmoved, and unchanged. In so doing, we end up with this false sense, false sense that all is well when it's not. So, when we truly welcome this word with a heart wide open, what a change takes place. I think a good example for us are the Kimyal people. This tribal people lives in West Papua, New Guinea, Indonesia. A church was established there decades ago, and for 47 years, they waited to receive their first New Testament scriptures from Matthew to Revelation. And this is the day they received it. Take a look.
A simple question. Does that represent the spirit of your heart and its welcome of the Word of God? Let's pray. We have considered the, the written Word of God, and now we rejoice in the living Word of God, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. O oh God, there is none like you, and we confess to you that we have so often treated your word so lightly. It's been left too long a periods of time on our shelves, on our desk. There have been times, our Father, perhaps, we have had to search to find even where it is. Times when we have determined that we just can't understand this and fail to try. There have been times, our Father, when we have neglected and just been purely disobedient to the Word of God. Please have mercy on us, O oh God. And revive us by the words by which you revealed yourself to us. We, we beg your grace and cleansing for our neglect. And now, Father, we pause because of the living word, Jesus. For he has done great things for us. 
And the most important thing, Father, is he's made it possible for, us, possible for us to stand before you. How can we not love remembering him? How can we ever fail to remember him on this time of gathering? And so, Father, I pray that our thanksgiving and gratitude to him at this time will be demonstrated by our receptivity of this written word. May God be praised and honored by our time in remembrance and our time this week in faithful instruction of the word of God. Through Christ I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's our desire for you to grow in your understanding of Christ's love as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church or would like to plan a visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you would like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.